Well, if you have your scriptures with you, would you turn to the second letter to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And as you're turning there, let me give you some, some sort of historical context for the writing of this letter to this church. Paul has written this for basically three purposes. Number one, in the opening chapters, he gives them the fundamentals again because they're not quite getting it yet. And, and, and I love, this is one of my favorite books in all the, all the New Testament, because I love how in those opening chapters, some of those beautiful language of the gospel uh, and of our ministry in the gospel is used. It's just so wonderful and so thrilling. And then in the middle section, he's doing something very practical. He's taking an offering from the church at Corinth and from several other churches in order to minister to the church in Jerusalem, to the poor saints, because they're going through a very, very difficult time. He's doing that for two reasons. Number one, the church at Corinth needs to come up to the level of spiritual maturity that he's attributed to them already. And part of that, coming up to that level of spiritual maturity, is that contribution, going through the very practical, hands-on act of giving. Uh, and the second thing is, he's tying all the church together so that, so that the church is one, but he's just kind of rearranging some of the resources. And then in the last part of this letter, Paul's essentially defending his ministry, defending his apostleship, because the church is going through a tremendous uh, 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 change. And whenever the church, whenever any church goes through a tremendous change, or there arises a, what I call a back to Egypt committee. Uh, that is to say, you know, you got us out here on this journey. We're not comfortable. Let's go back to Egypt. I know we were slaves, but, uh, but at least we knew what we were doing. And anybody that goes, and this is not just for the church. This is for any institution. This is for families. If your family is going through a, uh, a tremendous, tumultuous time, there's going to arise the back to, back to Egypt voice. As a matter of fact, you parents, if, you're, if your kids are going through huge change, some, one, of the, one of the days, uh, they're going to get up and they'll say, well, who died and made you God? You know, in other words, what authority do you have? And your answer should be like that of Paul. I, I'm just a regular guy, but he sent me to you to be the authority. That's, that needs to be your answer. And so, and so this is what he's dealing with in the last part. Now, we're just going to take this kind of middle section. The very, this is going to be a very practical sermon because we're doing much of what Paul was doing, and it is taking a collection, much of which eventually uh, we'll get to uh, uh, other churches, but, uh, but initially it'll just go into kind of a, a, a thing that we can include as many people as want to come here. First of all, I want you to see the very practical implications of giving and how they, they lay down a very, um, a, a very hands-on, practical um, functional way of doing it. Look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5. It says this, So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go ahead, go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift <laughs> that, in the, uh, that the same might be ready as a bountiful gift. Now I want you to see that they're really doing two realms of, of preparation for the provision. First of all, I want you to note in that verse how many, the, how many times the Greek uh, prefix apo would have been used. Apo means going before. You know, I sent, I, I'm, I'm sending them on ahead. 
to arrange beforehand the bountiful gift that you promised so that it will be ready. There, there needs in any, in any practical effort, there needs to be preparation in there. And that's exactly what Paul's doing, very practical preparation. I'm so grateful that before we got to this stage, uh, that we had practical preparation for this stage. As a matter of fact, I'm more interested in the preparation than, than, than exactly just focusing on what happens now. To get to this stage, to get to a stewardship campaign and come up with, with something uh, that was, our, was so, our solid next step, we had months and months ago, we were, we were forced into thinking, okay, what is your vision? What is God telling you to do as a church? What is your mission? What is your strategy? What kind of building are you going to need? What are the next steps? All of those thing, things need to be thought out beforehand and need to be prepared beforehand. And that's exactly what we've done. So this week uh, has provided much preparation. In addition to that, we gave tools to everybody as we were going along and we knew what, we, what, what finally came to us. Then we'd give everybody tools so everybody could understand, so all of us could understand. And some of those tools were in the form of curriculum. Some of them were in the form of teaching uh, so that everybody could understand this is coming straight from Scripture and this is a scriptural dynamic. And, and some of them came in the form of uh, uh, fasting. What we're going to do this week is just a tool. There's nothing holy in fasting in and of itself. But, but fasting is a tool in order to get us to, to have the context to pay attention to God. It's just a tool. Um, um, we, we, we handed out... Uh, facts and figure sheets, handed out brochures, uh, got, a, got a video here. Everybody, if you haven't got your video yet, by the way, that video has turned out to be somewhat controversial. Um, let, me, let me explain it to you, as my grandfather used to say. Um, and, and the reason I, the reason I uh, uh, say it this way is not to defend the video, but because we're going to have to keep balancing thing as we, things as we go along. There are many of us who are just plain folks. And, and, and we, we say, look, I don't need a fancy schmancy brochure. Don't, you don't have to be, give me big color glossy rendering thingy bobbers. You don't have to come up with this kind of swooping video here. Just tell me the stuff and I'll pray about it. It's, it's that simple. Well, I want to I I, I appreciate that because there are many, I mean, I'm kind of like that, you know. I'm, but there are many who say, you know, I'm not an audio, I, I don't get it when you say it. I really need something I can read. And I really need something I can see that really explains it to me. Now, when we, when we understand that, then we, we don't go to New York and hire a media firm for this. We kind of look around and say, well, who can do, who can do uh, brochures? Lloyd can do brochures. Let's do, well, Lloyd, what do we do here? Who can do, uh, who can do a video? Marty, Marty Taylor can do a video. Yeah. Um, now, here comes the rub. These guys are so good at what they do. It looks like we've gone to New York because one of the things that God has given us here is world class leadership. I mean, these guys are really good at what they do. So here comes the, here comes the mix. Here comes, here comes the rub. Do we go to these guys and say, hey, Lloyd, do a brochure, but do it on, you know, just plain printing on the back of a grocery bag thing, you know, <laughs> do you know, don't want, to, don't want your creativity here. Don't want you, you know, just do, you know, Marty, do, do a video, but make it five talking heads that don't really move, you know. That's tough. That is very tough. Why? Because God has gifted them like he has. 
Let me, let me tell you a story that kind of goes along with this. And, and, and again, it's part of our continuing balance here. One of the neatest guys I ever knew, his name was Warren. He was my mother-in-law's second husband. Passed away a few years ago. But just one of the kindest, gentlest, most positive people you've ever met in your life. This guy was a um, carpenter in Indiana. Lived in the same town all his life. Just a plain-spoken man. And, and I loved to, used to, I, I used to just listen to him, talk to him about his, his childhood. And one of the things he loved about uh, his high school career, he never went beyond high school, but, but he, he played basketball in high school. And those were the days of the old set shot, remember? You know, that's how, you, that's how you made a basket. And so one day we were talking about basketball and I said, well, Warren, what do you think of, uh, of uh, pro basketball today? And because and, I knew he loved to watch college and, and I knew he loved to watch some pro basketball. And, he, and Warren looked at me and says, well, I'm, you know, uh, I think that Michael Jordan is a hot dog. <laughs> and I said, really? I, I, I'd never heard him say anything, slightest bit negative, you know. I, I said, really, what makes you think that? Well, he says, let me tell you. He says, he says every time Michael Jordan steps on court, he makes 30, 40 points. He says, what he ought to be doing is passing the ball to his teammates so all of them could have an equal chance of making the points. And he says, another thing, let me tell you. He says, another thing. Every time he makes a shot, and sometimes when he goes up for a layup, he does, all, he get, he does something all fancy, fancy. He, sometimes he tr- tr- puts the ball behind his back. And sometimes he, he turns away all kinds of ang- angles. And then he doesn't even make a lap. He just dunks it in the basket up, up to his elbow. I think Michael Jordan's a hot dog. <laughs> well, let me tell you something about Warren. I wouldn't have had him say any other thing. Because that was Warren. And see, in Warren's perspective, in Warren's time, what, what, what it was, it was important is everybody do things together. And everybody get equal chance and, and so on and so forth. And so for Warren to anybody to have that kind of giftedness or that kind of talent was kind of a show-off thing. It was kind of a Hollywood thing. But, and I never would have told Warren this. I totally disagreed with him. See, every time Michael Jordan stepped foot on a court, it thrilled me to pieces. I never saw Michael Jordan do anything mediocre in my life. Never saw him do anything but go flat out to do as good as he could do, watch this, for the sake of the team. When he made those 30, 40 points, he wasn't showing off. He was trying to help the team win in a capacity that only he could do. And I loved it when Michael Jordan went up and performed anti-gravitational feats. I loved it when he floated in the air. And, and, and yeah, he did have some pizzazz to him. But you know what? To me, when that happened, it wasn't just trying to get the, the team to win. It was inspiring thousands of young people toward what basketball could be. It was the art and the craft. He had passed the utility and gone to the inspiration stage. And I loved that. I got to tell you, I know some of you struggle, even with the worship team we have up here, because they are so incredibly gifted. And I know some of you, some of you look at that, that sometimes the skinny redhead over here, Michelle, you know, and boy, when she goes after God, she goes after God. 
I mean, she's got this incredible voice, but when she were, this girl is Pentecostal to the bone. And when she, when, when we have an up, when we have an up thing, you know, she's, she's, she's just worshiping God. Worship. And I know there are those little voices in you that say, you know, that, that redhead, she's a hot dog. <laughs> but see, if you knew her, you wouldn't say that. Because you would just know that's Michelle. She's in God's face. She's right next to Jesus. She's worshiping him with all she has. Uh, by the same token, we've got, you know, you go three down and you just find sometimes somebody just, you know, just stays still. That would be our Presbyterian contingent. <laughs> and it's everything we can do not to get our Catholics kneeling between every song, you know. The point is, we're all together in this thing. That's the point. We've got that whole variety and we're all together. And so we've got to defer toward one another. And we've got to say, Lord, if that's what you need, if that's who you are, that's great. We're all together in this thing. So the point, uh, and you can pick up one of those controversial videos as you go out. The point, <laughs> the point to this is, we're not going to say to people who have incredible talent, just give us a talking head. Um, and, and some of you don't need the video and, and uh, you just need a, the, the little talk and some of you just, but some of you, that's exactly what you need. And we want, we want you to have exactly what you need. Now, the next part of this passage goes into the attitude. It's not just practically speaking. It's not just tools. It's the attitude. Look at what uh, uh, Paul writes here in verse, uh, verse, the last of verse five and beginning with verse six. And not affected by covetousness. Now he's starting to speak to the heart, isn't he? And then he starts the broad principle of, of trust and fear. Which one, you gonna, which one are you going to go for here? It says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. He's talking about the law of reciprocity here. That works in many, many fields. And, and he's talking about the measure, the measure. And then he goes to talk strictly about the attitude. This is the law of reciprocity also. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able... To make all grace. I want you to notice how many times he says all and everything when it comes to the grace part here. God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. In other words, fear not. Now, let me show you kind of what he's doing here. Part of the reason he was taking up this contribution at all, this offering at all, is because they needed this for their spiritual growth. You see, if you don't practice giving, what starts to constrict is your spirit. Those that do not intentionally purpose to give will, without really understanding or really realizing it, start to, to constrict into the grudging, into the, the, the under compulsion category. 
And you, and you can usually pretty well tell it by the look on your face. There's an old Hebrew saying that says, there is a way to take back with your eyes the gift you've just given with your hand. There is another rabbinic saying that says this, there is a kind of giving that is not giving at all. That's what Paul is talking about here, and that's what Paul's really concerned about here. Those of you who are down seeing Mandy, you, you notice that part of, what, part of what is happening with her, this, this young lady in our, in our congregation that's still in a coma, is that she can't purpose to move her muscles anymore. But her muscles don't stay the same. Her muscles begin to atrophy, and as they atrophy, they constrict. And so, and so one of the things that she's doing is, is she's getting treated by the physical therapist and just stretching those muscles back out. I find myself this, year, this week when Becky and I were down there and I was praying with her and I was holding her hand, I was just almost uh, unconsciously stretching her hand muscles back out. I feel sometimes when, I, when, I, when I'm preaching on stewardship, that's what I'm doing. I'm kind of massaging the kinks out here of the spirit stretching those giving muscles back out. Because if you don't purpose to give, then, then the muscles constrict. But there's also more than just the act of giving. There's the heart of giving. You see, if we give under compulsion, if we give grudgingly, what we've just done is offered to God a blemish sacrifice. All in the Old Testament it says, don't offer to God blemish sacrifices. You won't accept them. Deuteronomy 17.1 says, God's unhappy with blemish sacrifices. And when, if we're going to give, and we're going to go, okay, here's my dues. I got to chip in. Everybody else is chipping in. Don't do that. God's not interested in his gifts. He's interested in your heart. That's, that gift is a means to your heart. Becky and I saw a movie this week. Uh, just came out Friday, I think. The Bachelor. And, uh, and, it, and if you're a moviegoer, you might want to go see this. It's got some bad parts in it. Uh, but we couldn't get to see that movie about that old guy driving across the country. I still want to see that one. But, but this was about a, a, a young man who had a fear of a certain category, marriage. <laughs> the complicating factor was that he had fallen deeply in love with this girl. And, 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 and the way that he could really finally fulfilled that relationship was to marry her. But he, he couldn't get over the... He couldn't. So he found himself proposing, but there was always in his proposal a, a sense of, oh man, it was kind of grudgingly and under compulsion, and she sensed it. And she had the good sense to say, ah, even though she loved him, and even though that's what she wanted more than anything in the world, she knew that unless it was from his heart, it was no good. You know what? God says to our offerings that come under, out of guilt or under compulsion, ah, no, it's not what I'm looking for. I want you. I want you to understand that your fulfillment is in my life. It's fully committed to me forever. That's what I want. And so Paul writes, you know, don't do this like that. 
but do it out of cheer. Look at your face. Have you seen your face lately? What happened to your smile? What happened to your joy? The, the Greek word here for cheer is, is the word from which we get hilarious. I want, I want you to give until it feels like it's a hilarious thing. You're just having a ball. Now, everybody can get into a funk. I understand that. I was, I've been in a funk for the last three months. I mean, I look at all this thing and, and I, I, I think of this change and how, boy, everything's so complicated anymore. And I kind of stoop down a little bit like it's all on my shoulders. Yeah, right. And then, I, and then you know, I've had some family things going on. And, and I, look at this, I look at this future and, and I think, oh, man, I see this. Like, but how do I, you know? And bottom line, I'd, I would... I was walking around all serious. I'm never serious. But I was, for the last three months, I've been walking around all serious. I, I, the people say, how are you going? How are you doing? Instead of saying, terrific, like I always say, oh, I'm all right. All right, so far, so good, I'd say. <laughs> what is that? I've never been like that. Last weekend, Beck and I went to St. Augustine. We got a little, little slot you know, of time away, and so we went to St. Augustine. Because we like to go in and out those little shops, those little... Uh, Artist shops, we love that. And so we're walking on the beach, you know, and, 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 and it doesn't take me very long to get out of the context enough for God just to say to me, hey, Hunter, if I'm sovereign, why aren't you smiling a little bit more? I mean, really, if you're, if, if you, if you're trusting in me and I'm sovereign, why aren't you grinning just a little bit more? And I looked at back and I said, you know what? I'm not sure why I'm not grinning a little bit more. And of course, she was grinning because she knew. She knew exactly what. And, and, and it helps so much to walk down and just see people. There's something that lets my spirit loose when I'm seeing people create something that has not been there before, create something of beauty that has not been there before. And I just finally kind of handed the managership of the universe back to him, and I got my grin back. <laughs> well, here's what you got to do. You've you got to understand that he is so able and willing and will give you more than you could ever ask or think. His grace abounds in everything you do. You've got to check out whether you're still believing that or you're really standing on it. Because some of you have changed expressions on your face. You're, you're, in the old biblicals, your countenance has fallen. And when your countenance falls, that kind of hurts. So you've got to get back. You've got to say, God... If you're really in charge, why aren't I grinning a little bit more? And because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the next, the next couple of phrases are very important. Look at what it says. It says, As it is written, he scattered abroad and he gave to the poor. His righteousness abides forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, let's stop right here and let's go with this metaphor for a little bit, shall we? Let's take it very seriously. We already have read, as as we're going through Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, how, how God gives us different seed, different kinds of seed. There's some of corn, some of wheat, so on and so forth. It says that right there. Different kinds of bodies, different kinds. So, so as, as we're praying this through, as we're listening to God, this is what I would want all of us to, to, to ask this week. Lord, what's the particular seed you've given me to sow? 
and in what field? Now, now let's, let's back up just for a minute. I forgot to say this to the other services, but let me say to you. I know there's every inclination for us when we face a project like this to do arithmetic instead of stewardship. Arithmetic says, you know what, if we, call, if we have really 15,000 people that call this place uh, their church home if they come, then why don't we just divvy it up? If every one of them give 10 bucks a week for three years, we'd have the project, no problem. Now that's arithmetic. Problem is, it's not stewardship. And our goal is to hear God because to whom much is given, much is expected. And, our, and, and we can do arithmetic and not feel anything. But we can't do stewardship and not be reminded of our relationship with God and dependent on our relationship with God. That's our goal. So here's what we've got to do. We've got to listen and say, God, what did you give me to give? And some of you are going to hear some real weird stuff. Some of you got some money and, you know, you just go, okay, now I know why I got this. Here. But some of you, <laughs> I'm looking over here, last week, someone unknown un brought in, I mean, she's praying and and this is what the Lord told her. Um, she had a first edition introducing the Beatles album. Never been out of its cellophane thing. She got it at, a, at a, I think, a promotional. Um, and, and, and so, and this is 30-some years old. I mean, it's the original deal. The book value on this thing is like up to $25,000. And she's praying, and God said, I want the Beatles album. Now, I got to tell you, there is no little pleasure in me to know that this group that bragged at one time that they were more popular than Jesus Christ are somehow going to have a hand in building his kingdom. <laughs> but the deal is, she didn't know why she kept that all these years, but, but, but it came when the Lord had use for it. Now, please, we're not going to go into one huge garage sale here. <laughs> but the point is, see, that was something nobody else could give. And, and she had a sense that, that that's why I, I gave that to you. That's why. And that's what we need to hear. I mean, God won't probably speak to you. They very seldom uses words. But there's an inkling and there's an individuality about it. There's a rhema is the biblical term. There's a rhema about that. Because God is interested in increasing your faith as well as expanding your character as much as building his kingdom. And that's what is important about this. So pray, God, what's the particular seed you're giving me? And then what's the particular field? You know, some of you are going to have, you're going to say, you know, I, 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 I want to I just give it and let the elders decide where it goes. That's great. That's all. But some of you say, you know what, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit farmer at heart here. Now, and I see in here, there's a, there's a, there's a, a part of the project is to purchase land. I want to I go to, to Bud and say, hey, Bud, what would 15 square feet of land cost here? Because, because even though we don't do little gold plaques here, I want to go over there someday and say, I bought this. You know, I like this land thing. I, I got this and I, I bought it for the kingdom to be used forever. Uh, some, of, some of you have a, have a heart for worship. And you say, I want to give me a section of the... Uh, what, what would so much square feet of the sanctuary cost? Or, 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 um, 
What would a child's classroom, we got a small group, we're so interested in, in children's education. What would a classroom cost? What would, what, would a, what would a prayer room cost? See, some of you are, are into this concurrent. I love this concurrent worship. And even though only a sliver of this, of this next project really has to do with concurrent worship, that's where you'd want to go. So it's what is your field? And it's also, I'll probably get killed for saying this. I didn't ask permission before I said it. But your field may not be all in Northland itself. I loved it. This week, when I was listening to Z88 Sherathon, and all you people were from Northern were just, put, I mean, I was so cool. Yeah, we're from Northern. We're given to this ministry. That ministry has nothing to do with Northland, has everything to do with Northland. Because it's what God is doing. It's a wonderful ministry. And I love the fact that we have people that, 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 that will be led by the Spirit outside the institutional church. Some of you are... Uh, um, getting a heart for Namibia or other parts of the world, Germany. And you're going to be listening to God and God's going to say, you know, that's part of your field over there. That's part of your acreage. Um, um, I, we were talking to a, to a couple the other night. They've given buku money to uh, evangelize China. And they were kind of apologetic, like, we don't know how much of, you know, we, if anything, we're going to have left for, the, for, you know, the church building project. And Becky said, why in the world would you apologize for that? That's the distributed church. This is not about a building. This is not about Northland. This is about God. See? And so you got to say, God, what and where? So that you can, be, you can respond exactly to what God is saying to you. Now, some of you leaders were supposed to turn your card in today, and you still haven't got an inkling uh, from God. Don't turn it in until you get an inkling from God. Don't, I mean, if it takes till March, don't turn it in until you get an inkling from God. This isn't about what you want to give. This is about what God wants to do through you. Some, we're all, next week is our big commitment thing, and everybody's supposed to bring their cards and write down the thing. You pray this week. I'll be surprised if God doesn't give you some sort of inkling. But if he doesn't, don't move. Don't move. Don't, don't make this a flesh gift. Make this an obedience gift. Make this a faith-increasing gift. Make this, God, this is yours. And then the last thing, and this won't take but a second. Look at the closing verses of this chapter. They are so personal, and they're not utilitarian. They are personal. It says, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, that is, those who are coming to Christ, but also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. See, not just Christians are going to get blessed. Everybody's going to get blessed from this because people are important. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. We've got to understand this is finally and ultimately about relationships, about relationships with each other and relationships to God. That's what it's about. It's not about brick and mortar. Those are tools, necessary tools. 
but just tools. I'm telling you, I, Becky and I went out to visit somebody this week. We'd missed him. He used to sit right, right in this section on Monday nights. His name was Gary Hodges and his wife, Judy. I love them. And their wonderful daughter, Jody, we went out and saw, just visited him. He's in the last stages of ALS, which kind of takes your brain away and, and it's a degenerative disease. And uh, he had lost his ability to come to worship. And so we just went out to visit and uh, he can't talk anymore, can't eat, but he can still walk some. So he greeted me at the door. He opened the door like this. <laughs> and, and we walked in, we sat down, and as Becky and I talked with Judy and his daughter, I'd keep looking over at Gary. And every time I looked at Gary and Gary looked at me, he went like this. And he'd reach out his hand. And we held hands for a good part of that talk. There isn't a cathedral in the world that is worth that smile. It's not about bricks. If Gary gets to heaven before I do, and it's looking like he's going to, I know what I'm going to see when I walk into heaven. <laughs> he's going to be there like this. <laughs> and I'm going to love it. But in the end, it's not even just about the Garys of our congregation. It's about God. Some years ago in the late 1700s, Andrew Fuller was a preacher in England. And he was going around to his congregation and he was taking up offerings for a mission. And he went to this one fairly wealthy house and, and this guy liked his preacher. He liked him. And so Fuller walks in and he says... I'm taking up offering for this mission. He looks at him and says, you know what? He said, Reverend, if it was just that mission, I don't know many people in that mission, so if it was just that mission, I'd give you maybe five pounds. But seeing it's you, I'd give you ten. And he hands him ten pounds. Reverend Fuller hands him back the ten pounds. And he says this, this is not about me. And the guy just started grinning. And he said, ah. Then seeing it's about Jesus Christ, I want to give you 20. This is about Jesus Christ. It's not about a building. It's not about a local church. It's not even about the relationships that are going to be built all around the world. It's not just about those things. It's about Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Lord, as we prepare to partake of you, of your nature in these elements, we ask you to help us to focus on you so completely that we will be able to look forward to a week of, of just hearing from you. Lord, prepare us now with this feast of this table so that we could uh, last until we hear your voice. Listen until we sense your inkling, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh. <laughs> we were just talking about listening. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
<laughs> listening to God or <laughs> Hey, let's let's stand together and sing. <laughs>